Welcome to the Mando Fan Show. Happy weekend, everybody. I'm John Howie. That's my name. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us today. Um, this is our last Mando Fan Show, uh, like the 1.5 season of Mando Fan Show, if you want to call it that. Uh, covering the final episode of Disney Gallery about the connections uh, before we return in October for the real full slate of the Mando Fan Show, where we'll be bringing back all the good stuff, the Pedro Pascal face scale, the Mando code giveaway, uh, your tweets, uh, Mando Fandos, and great guests, and all that stuff. Um, and joining me on that journey, who are here with me today, uh, as always, is James Bainey and Lacey Gillerin. Um, the, the documentary's over. That's it. It's all mm -hmm. over, and this, uh, I'm not uh, a recency guy usually, but this was my favorite episode of the documentary um, for almost like more of a personal reason than, oh, wow, I learned a lot of things, um, but um, we're going to start by getting into our favorite parts and stuff like that, but just uh, initially, what do you guys think of the episode in a, in a one-sentence snippet, if you will? I agree. Favorite episode. It wasn't my favorite. I still like Practical better. I feel like because mm -hmm. it had like actual substance to it, whereas this one I felt was very like, look at all the things we did for you. Look at them all. Mm -hmm. That's the vibe I got from it. All right. I have to watch it again. I've only watched it once, but it felt like very much like, look at this and look at this and look at this and look at this. So, Lacey, since you hated the episode, why don't we start with you about what, what, what was your favorite part of the episode or standout part that... Um, um, I'm trying to think of a specific moment. I really enjoy doing these episodes after I watch it because then I don't have to think as hard. Come back to me. Come back to me. Ooh, I got mine. All right, James, go ahead. Um, finding out that the X-Wing at Galaxy's Edge was the X-Wing they used... <laughs> Oh, I knew you were gonna say that. that. Absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So, what what about that? Was it the shock factor? The fact that you've seen it in person? You're like, Dave Filoni's been in that, or like, what was the? Yeah, like the part of it is. I mean, the pinned tweet on my Twitter feed is me in front of that ship. Um, I, I remember obviously taking that photo, and I remember thinking like, oh, this is so cool. This is the sex wing up here, and. uh I don't know. It's just, it was crazy to me because that I would have never put those two things together, but that's the kind of stuff that I think is like really cool. Um, in both factors, when it, when, if you know that it's the, the, the thing, and then you go to galaxy's edge for the first time, you have that fact and you think it's really cool, but it's, it's also really cool when you didn't know and you yeah. were like just interacting with it and thought it was cool on its own. And then it like gained so much more after that. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like the, uh, hey, we're going to add a character in the background versus like, hey, you know, that character in the background was always Rex or something. You know, it's like, oh, oh you know, there's something extra added all of a sudden out of nowhere. So I, I really got a kick out of that. I um, feel like when we first talked about Galaxy's Edge, we were talking about that Kylo Ren, like Ty Echelon or whatever it is. And I remember mm -hmm. you saying, James, that you were like, I wish I knew this ship. So that when I went there, I was like, oh, there's the ship. Well, now you mm -hmm. do 
Congrats. Well, now it's going to be harder <laughs> to take photos in front of it because yes. oh, Filoni fans yeah, are going to yeah. be like, oh, Filoni. This is our ship. Potentially, yeah. <laughs> I have a favorite but, moment yeah. I remembered. All right, go ahead. My favorite moment is the same part, but not for the same reason. I liked that part because Filoni said that John Favreau was harassing him about being in in the scene with all the other directors and he said if i didn't do it like in the fact just the way he thought about it was like so funny when he was like okay well i have a flight so i have an out that i don't have to do this yeah and then he's like but then i knew john favreau would just keep harassing me and john was he's like, like yes yes pros and cons <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's just funny to me because i think we all go through those those moments where we have a friend that's like, oh, let's do this. And you're like, eh. and then you're like, oh, I have to do it because they want me to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like a little bit like when you make a plan months in advance and then the day arrives and you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I could get out of this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here are um, my options. So it's funny you say that because my favorite part is in this area too, but also a little <laughs> bit different. <laughs> My favorite if this part was that, a Facebook video. You'd see the like climb so, <laughs> right yeah. around this section. So you know the the whole the whole episode. I I wrote this in my review. Like I found I noticed myself smiling or laughing throughout the whole episode. Like I was so entertained by it. It was very charming to me. But hearing Favreau and Filoni talk about his direction to him on how to deliver his lines as the x-wing pilot when oh, he's like, like he doesn't care <laughs> yeah he's so he says just act really bored and act really disinterested <laughs> and casual and then you like they show the clip of him doing the lines and he's like looks like they're doing some kind of a strike or something i don't know and then he's like yeah. and then we're gonna have you dive down and do this maneuver <laughs> in your x-wing i just thought that was so funny because he really does act like he's just like yeah, uh, it looks like they're doing something. I don't know, you know. And it's and like you find out it's not because he he did that. It's because uh, Favreau, Favreau told, told him, him to. to. And he's like, and he's like, yeah. And I can't just remember. I just kept feeding you these lines, and I'm like, say this one, try this one, try this one. It's just very like backyard. Break out the camera. Let's make a movie. It, it had that like home making your own home movie uh, vibe to it, like <laughs> kids in the backyard making their uh, Super Eight films, or which whatever. they say that. Yeah, and but it, it's legit. Like it, you get that feeling, and like James, your favorite part too, about them having to use that X-wing because they didn't have the built-up cockpit. That is like 1977, 1980 Star Wars, right there. It's like <laughs> I, you're the park person. You're like, no, and they're like, we just need to cut it in half. Yeah, right. We need to yeah, far away. <laughs> but it's like we need to figure out how to make this work, and it's so funny because it's such a high-budget show, and it's a Disney product, and like, all right, well, we didn't factor that in, so uh, how are we going to make this work? Like, that is so charming to me, and I love that. It's um. That's what makes Star Wars so great. And, and maybe leads to one of my other favorite parts is when Filoni was talking about, um, I guess we'll just get into it here, uh, when he's talking about um, IG-88 and how kids loved it so much because he said the, this actual word, so we don't need to bleep it out. He's like, that thing is so badass because it doesn't move and he's stoic and he's this cool assassin. He and he's doesn't like, do anything. <laughs> it didn't do anything because it was bolted to the floor and it didn't move because they didn't, they weren't able to move it back then. But kids don't see that. They see this, the, that right. he's like this calm, cool droid and stuff like that. And I like the limitations that they have that make things cool inadvertently. You know what like, I mean? Like how mm -hmm. they said, all the characters they chose were the characters that your older brother left behind. 
that, that uh, amazing because yeah. you re- you relate to that so much because I was the older brother and my brother didn't get to play with all the cool toys. <laughs> I don't know, James, were you and your brother like uh, action figure guys as kids? By the time I really have any recollection of like my brother, he was already in the military. So oh, okay. yeah, he joined the military when I was six years old. So you got all his old toys. Yeah. Well, yeah. So basically I did have like the full millennium Falcon and other stuff like that. But the thing was, is that by that point too, they were also like really old and missing tons of pieces and stuff. Mm -hmm. I literally remember I had a, um, a, uh, what are they called? The snow speeders from Hoth. And there's a big like open section on the side for like, 21 double a batteries or something you know oh <laughs> like, yeah yeah it just took a lot of batteries i remember it was probably like 2d or uh maybe like four double a or something or c's yeah. yeah 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 c's probably yeah actually it probably was c's because they stopped using c's you guys notice that yeah yeah that's kind of an older thing um <laughs> lacy's like what are you talking about um but no, yeah, I, I I understood what they they meant when they were saying that, though, for sure. Right. I'm a middle school, so you, I totally know mm-hmm. that. Yeah, did you have, because you were, you know, you're more of the comic book and nerdy stuff. Were your sisters like that? So did you guys share toys, or was it a different animal for you guys? My sisters didn't share anything. <laughs> <laughs> um no, it was a little different because I was definitely more into this stuff than they were. But if there were things that we were both into, so like as an example, Mario Kart, I would never get to play certain characters. Oh, or yeah. Like if we were yeah. playing a board game, like the pieces that you play with, I could never be specific pieces because right. my older sister was that piece. Yeah. Like stuff like that. But the Monopoly, nothing like, you always have to be like the iron or the thimble. Yeah. It can't be the car. Can't be the can't car. Can't be the car. Can't be the car. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, so it's, I don't think it was necessarily like I got hand-me-downs, but mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I think my little sister felt that probably more than me because I was the one that was above her. Yeah. But you know, all, all it's, it's such a silly thing because more often than not, um, and this was the main point of, uh, my review was that we're so focused now for some reason on everyone trying to prove how well they know star Wars, you know, that's like a big thing now. Like, yeah, I feel that like my whole life, John. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean like, uh, Joseph Campbell and, and Kurosawa and themes and all this stuff. And then like John Favreau and Filoni are like, you know, we know how to tell stories, but this is all about getting all your action figures together and using your imagination and playing with them. And we got to do that in star Wars. And it's just like, it brought me back to the purest reason why I loved star Wars, like playing with those action figures and like being like, all right, well, this is going to happen here and this one's going to go there. And they made a star Wars show with that mentality. And I think that is so pure and so star Wars to me that it erased any kind of like, modern drama feeling i've had over star wars it's like it brought it back to its simplest form and um yeah. i like that a lot the there's, innocence yeah there's something comforting about the way john favreau handles it where he's just like 
this is what I like and this is what I'm doing. And if you don't like it, okay, but this is what I like. And then like yeah. all the moments, even during this series specific, specifically, like where Filoni would be like, this is from this moment on this day and this mm-hmm. thing. And John Favreau was like, I just picked it because it looked cool. Right. Like I didn't think about this. And I know that, um, you know, I've kind of felt this recently with all the trivia stuff that we've done and like all this other stuff. It's like, as a female fan, sometimes you feel more judged than others of like what you know. So to see an episode where it's like, it literally doesn't matter. None of this matters. It's all for fun. It's, it's nice. It's comforting that yeah. no matter how you like Star Wars and what you like about Star Wars, it doesn't matter because it's all Star Wars. And that's the message I kind of got from John Favreau yeah. through this whole series, actually. Yeah. You know, it's you- funny. As you were describing that at the beginning, I was thinking that I kind of see John Favreau like that in a way. Um, like he, like he starts off and he's like, he's like, Oh, we got to get the, the, the pig guy. We got to get the droid from the background. <laughs> right. We got to get the, the X wing thing, you know, like, like, and he goes through and he picks out all the, the cool stuff that like means something to him in star Wars. Cause he knows it's the that Kenner transport thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. That was never used. Yeah. Then after that, he's like, plus they're going to need like a bunch of guns and stuff like that. And that's when Dave Filoni comes in and he's like, you, you, you know, you know, this gun has like a lot of history and stuff. He's like, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think like Dave Filoni picks up and goes even deeper, but I think like John Favreau was the one that like started with picking all the like uh, personal, you know, love of star Wars things about the show. And I yeah. think a lot it's got to be a Boba Fett character, you know? Yeah. And I think a lot of people that worked on it from like Doug Chang to all these other different pipe, types of artists and behind the scenes people were like, hey, we never used this thing. Do you want it? And it re- reminded me a lot of like episodes ago when Taika was talking about his process and how he went to, you know, get whatever was left over from Lord of the Rings for his show. And like, yeah. hey, do you have any trash I can use? Yeah. Like this show was very similar in the sense that they were like, oh, here's a ship that we never use that folds. Here, use yeah. that. We don't use the transport. We don't use this. Like, go ahead, use that. Um, yeah. Which is funny. Well, I think the transport was, was, and I didn't know that either. I think that was Favreau from the it, like beginning. The transport was Favreau because he said he had that toy. As a yeah. Kid that carried right. the I'm just saying that they're using stuff. Yeah, no, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's funny because like, and this uh, again is a like a theme of this documentary. Um, I know I was just making fun of themes, but really, <laughs> Favreau was like for the deeper meaning. John Favreau was like <laughs> hammering home the thing. Like we're not George Lucas. This is his universe, and we're just playing inside it. And I feel like he he has that balance. Favreau really has that balance where he's been walking along the beam, and he knows which way to teeter which arm to stay on the the path they need to be on for this show i feel like he nails it every time and he doesn't go over or under uh one way or the other because that quote he says because we're not george lucas we're just filmmakers who grew up watching it just because we say just because we say it doesn't mean it's cool and i thought that was a really interesting line um which led me though to my least favorite part in the episode which was george lucas's appearance Oh my god, it was so funny. <laughs> I, Is your was, least favorite part? Yes. It was, <laughs> it was everything I had hoped that moment wouldn't be. <laughs> I, I yeah, and I I think 
I loved, uh, like when I saw him, I was so happy to see him. Right. But he seems so miserable. Pompous. Really? Came across very pompous. Like, like very like. Mm. There's a George Lucas. If you were, like watch all interviews of George Lucas from the 70s, 80s, 90s, in through the 2000s. He loves talking about Star Wars. He would talk about that prong gung properly, probably, and and you know Boba Fett and stuff like that. And now he just seems so detached from everything. He felt it almost felt like he had to be there. Like Filoni twisted his arm to show up on set, or they did it for a PR stunt. Like it just it kind of upset me. I'm not gonna lie. Like I don't know. He looked pretty closed off. He had his legs crossed, arms crossed, leaning back. He was just kind of like you know when you like we joke about this on the podcast how like will say something and the other person will just like stonewall them and just like mm-hmm. shut down the no joke. Salt. Yeah, like like stone face. That's what he did to Favreau. Favreau's like, so that was that was like an Easter egg. Like you you that was canon, right? And he's like, uh, not really. <laughs> see, see that's the thing is like I took that exactly like he was being funny. Like the, how they took it in the show. Like they're laughing and they're really like he's like Nah, that wasn't me, you know. I don't kind know. Of thing. I like, think I, that's them handling I, it, though. Really? Because I, I think that's I just, them taking the awkwardness uh, maybe. and the joke out of it. Because that's how I handled those type of moments. Is like, oh, this person just totally. But you notice, like, me. George Lucas is a very candid guy. Like, sure. he does not hold back or mince words when he wants to tell you. His something. whole life, he's been that way. From what we've learned from J.W. Rinsler, what I've read in books, like, he yeah. never held back on saying what he thinks which like is why he, a lot of people enjoy working with him and and like him right and, and you know it it's a it has a lot to do yeah. with like you know when you know somebody but you don't know them well enough to be honest with them so you're just kind of you play nice i, I guess <laughs> like it, it, you know it's what i'm saying because like, you, you're because not gonna be I, like bust someone's chops if you're not a good friend with them yeah and i, I feel do. like george lucas will just be like even if he just met you he'd be like I, I don't like that. <laughs> like just straight up honest with you. Hmm. I I guess I've just like I'm trying to think of um like it's like meeting Joseph Gordon Levitt or something and being like, dude, I loved you in Angels in the Outfield. And he's like, of all my work, like <laughs> you know, like that's how I felt. It. I think yeah, of, that's fair. I think of Favreau as like someone who like really he's talked a lot about that holiday special. He's like obsessed with it, yeah. The one thing we know about George Lucas is that he hates, hates the holidays. It. He wanted All it right. like a race. Yeah. So I see that as just a funny confrontation of like a fan <laughs> that like loves the one thing that George Lucas hates. It's like yeah. a funny scenario because he's like, like, dude, like, hey, we, got, we got the gun from the thing. You did the thing. And he's like, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I thought it was hilarious. And they, they, of course, then shoot over to them after the fact that they're like, yeah, he was like, no. <laughs> yeah i don't know i thought it's, the whole it, thing was funny but you know that you yeah. say that but James, i under, it makes me well, think, i understand it your way too but yeah it makes me think of san diego comic-con 2017 when i was in the clone wars panel and they were talking about yaddle and how george told dave Filoni like don't ever bring up yaddle again i don't want to talk about it don't bring it up yeah like and dave was laughing about that because he was saying how adamant george was to be like bury this i don't want to talk about it (laughs) weird well i mean it's no surprise it's no surprise that lucas um definitely listens to criticism even though he he, it's his way or the highway Mm -hmm. like look at episode two compared to episode one like he pretty much got rid of any talk of midichlorians and jar jar 
And he diminished Jar Jar like completely. When he you brought know, the Midichlorians back for three. Not the way they were. It was like Midichlorian City in episode one. It was like this big thing, like this whole thing about these Midichlorians and these counts and all that stuff. Um, I feel like he he's a very sensitive guy, and I think that's a big part of why he sold Star Wars. Like, yeah, he, I mean, think about J.W. Rensler's latest combo with us, where he said that George changed the end of the movie like when it was already out remember because based on feedback he was getting so i could see that being a thing but yeah, yeah. i agree with you john that moment i just kind of laughed because i was like here we were leading into the mandalorian and then into the series the big things we said was can't wait to see what baby yoda is all about can't wait to see what george thinks yeah and the two times we've seen george is either like kind of like the back of his head or him not wanting to be there seemingly yeah it's just he kind seemed, of yeah but i mean james maybe james is right in that in that context if they were talking about something from a new hope maybe he would have been more sitting upward and engaged yeah but yeah, yeah. he just has seen from that charlie rose interview like the, ever since he he um sold lucasfilm he has seemed like a different person to me i don't know well it's kind of i would imagine and again i'm not a crazy creative genius that's changed the course of pop right. culture. Yeah. I'd like to keep that into perspective, but yeah. you know, with George or like a JK Rowling or someone like that, where they openly admit that they constantly have these characters kind of swimming in their head. And then JW said that George has all these journals and all these things. Like you don't just stop thinking about this thing that you've created. You don't just stop loving it. You don't just no, stop. So yeah. I'm sure he made the choice to sell for specific reasons and he made the choice to move on from that chapter of his life. But that doesn't mean he's left it behind in the sense that it's not a part of him anymore. So I could see him being kind of like, I don't agree with how they took this. I don't agree what they did here. And you just yeah. kind of get a little possessive of it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I Even mean, though it's that... not his, which, you know. Yeah. I could imagine, like, I, I, I could totally understand that completely. But um, it would have been nice for him to have a little bit more of a conversation in the show, just like it, a, even yeah. a couple sentences that he's yeah, like, wow, it, it, this is so great. I've always wanted because like, I feel like the last time we saw him in the show was him saying, oh, I've already done something like this. Right. Wasn't he like very like, this is what I did for episode. Yeah. Two. He was talking about the technology yeah, and yeah, yeah. what he did back then. And, um, you know what? Yeah. He was just making basically saying like I was I was the guy. I was state of the art. I think Disney Plus should just do a series, you know, seven, eight episode series where they just interview George, like just interview George on what he thinks. Well, remember, I, I made that big stink about the fact that they almost didn't release that interview with Filoni and George Lucas about the You Clone can imagine Wars. how many things they have in their mm -hmm. archives of yeah. like interviews and conversations. And he may even be like, I don't want that out. Like, I'm done. Just right. Like, um, but other things are, right, so moving on from Lucas, um, other things I wanted to bring up that I thought were cool, uh, obviously the 501st thing, which everyone knew about already because they had kind of said, reported that a while ago when they were making the season. that they There's had a lot of drama in. surrounding the 501st right now. That was very interesting that they had that such big of a section in the show, but I'm sure obviously this was made before that happened. Mm -hmm. I mean, just seeing that and seeing all them interviewed and they're sure. all different walks of life, all different... Uh, you know races and there's men and women all different sizes big people My little friends people in there. And... oh really that's yeah, cool mark edwards he's a photographer he's one oh, of the cool. stormtroopers at the interview Hi, and mark. i didn't realize I, 
I didn't realize, I mean, I guess it's a very complex thing on making your armor and it's a very serious business, but I guess they were very, um, obviously happy to be there and very impressive, I guess, to the creators on how good their armor was and stuff. So I thought and that And they knew cool. how to act like a stormtrooper. That's what they yeah, kept saying. I like they didn't have to coach them. Too. They were like, <laughs> which makes me wonder, like, do they like do the weird, like, uh, like most stormtroopers do in those old movies? Like, is yeah. that what they're trained to do? Can't One thing to remember this helmet. Yeah. One thing to remember too, John, is that like you say, everybody knew that because we knew that back then, but like, this is on a whole other platform, you know? Um, I, I definitely know that like, there's so much stuff that we knew about Mandalorian uh, that, you know, my family is now like asking me questions about stuff because they saw it on that show, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, like yeah i mean do you want to talk about something that we found out about the show it seems like the things you're latching on to and even when we watch this whole thing they're like so here was the inspiration behind ig11 we're like we just look at it and we know we yeah. already know yeah. i know what your inspiration was yeah like you just show me a picture and i go okay obviously that's either ig88 or a new one that's clearly inspired by ig88 right like sure. yeah yeah but all of this stuff uh, to a lot of people is like, oh, dude, I didn't even know. Like, I, I never noticed that guy in the background, you know, or there's all these little tidbits about him being like in the cantina and stuff. It's like, yeah, I've heard those stories before. But for the general audience that just purchased Disney Plus and they mostly watch Marvel movies, but sure, they'll check out the Star Wars stuff. You know? Yeah, that's this, all, all of this stuff is like deep dive, crazy stuff behind the scenes. And that's... You know, and, we're only looking at like 50% of it as good content to us. Yeah. I mean, and that's a perfect segue into the whole cantina section, which I found very interesting of them um, replicating that for chapter five to a T and just like really rebuilding that whole bar set and that whole room and then using half of it with the volume to fill out the rest of the mm-hmm. room, which again, I, I couldn't have told you that if I yeah. saw it, you know? So that being said too, I did not know that was the same droid. Neither did I. From Return of the Jedi? I didn't know either. Yeah, I thought, I was like, okay, same thing that I was just describing a minute ago. It's like the same type of droid. I'm like, no, it's the same one. I did know R5 was the same. Yeah. Because people pointed that out uh, pretty quickly, but I did not know that that was supposed to be the same like the the droid, droid or whatever it was. Who gave the droid jobs on Jabba's Palace. Yeah. You're a feisty little one that guy um yeah and it's so funny that they got E-B-9-D-9. hamill to do it D9. yeah that nine possible. that's his D- name nine yeah, yeah 99 e- yeah i know but it's yeah. not 99 it's nine the letter d and then nine. that's what i'm saying yeah so no and i know you're saying it i'm yeah. telling everybody else that ah. it's easy to trip on this wording because it just sounds like you're yeah. saying nine nine d batteries yeah. I still find it funny that that droid had a gonk droid getting burned on the feet. I don't know why. Ever since I was little, I find that so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did like you got steam I didn't, coming out. <laughs> it's so funny that Mark Hamill voiced that thing. Yeah, that was pretty cool. They keep pulling him into voice stuff. Yeah, he probably does it from his house. He's very good. Yeah. Very good. He, he's he's probably done like thirty characters, and they're like just. We'll hold off on telling people this one well, <laughs> like, also, like 2034. Mark will be like, voice- yeah, he voiced that character here. And everybody's mm-hmm. like, what? His voice is, has changed so much over the years. Um, probably because he smoked a lot and, and whatever. He just, it, 
Yeah, yeah age, but a lot mm-hmm. of people, some people's voices stay pretty much the same their whole lives. Like that's why like Tom Hanks is 70 and still voicing Woody, you know, after 30 years. Mm-hmm. Whereas Mark Hamill's voice really sounds different, just like Carrie Fisher's did. It they sounds didn't. a lot more gravelly. Yeah. So they probably are just like, all right, well, we can get Mark Hamill in. He's got that gruff voice now and he can probably knock out these droid voices now. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or years of, I mean, there's part experience here, part, you know, you're torturing your body a little bit, but years of doing voice work. Like the could Joker well. is a lot of voice work. Exactly. That could have an effect on your body, but also I, I'm saying it in a good way too. The experience of him just being like, this is what I... I don't know this is what have you ever heard the the phenomenon of people who like fake their accent for so long that they forget their real voice schwarzenegger is that real yeah he's from iowa <laughs> anyway. i almost had you on the hook on that one man Woo! No, i know like, for what? a fact because matt loves arnold that he is not from iowa he's not from well, iowa. i knew i knew he wasn't from iowa but i was like but he has such a distinct voice that i was like i could see him faking his voice and then in turn it turned into his real voice. though that's i have heard that arnold has used the dialect coach to help him preserve his accent i heard that's an actual true thing that's interesting yeah i'm sure people do that because you have like people that are british that move here that don't want to lose the british accent. yeah but, Schwar- but in a weird way sounding american that would be kind of that would suck yeah i was just i was getting to the point that like he's so good at understanding his voice at this point he might just be right. like that's Win that's my voice <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly right. i don't know <laughs> i hate that line so much i yeah i don't have a problem with I, it i like it i <laughs> I like the run. Just it's not as good as Bombs um, Away, but no, uh, it's not. No, Tally takes again. The people always ask me what the deal is. The deal is that her line is delivered via inside the spaceship when no one else has that sound, so it sticks out that her sounds different. Hmm. They yeah. did a weird thing where they have everybody inside the cockpit and then they shoot her from outside the cockpit, like with the glass. And her line is delivered under the glass, mm-hmm. which makes sense, but it's annoying because you have everybody else with their lines normal. Hmm. You know That's what's not why. annoying? <laughs> Me? Um, R five D four, not no. annoying. Um, I really liked Filoni's direction on that about the motivator and wanting the the oil leaking and the burn marks on right. that slot. Even though you, I don't even know if you see it when he rolls by, but right. the fact that they wanted it there just because it was, it should be there mm-hmm. is, it's awesome. It's like when, like James, you, you, you are a world famous rock star and you had those, those things called like runners, the dress, uh, dressing mm-hmm. room, whatever. like Van Halen would ask for only brown M&Ms, not because they wanted only brown M&Ms, but if they got that right, they knew they got all the other stuff right. And I feel like that's kind of like when with the Mandalorian, like we got to get these little details right, even if they're not going to be on camera, because that's how it should be. And it makes me as a fan feel like then they're getting the big things right too. Um, It's almost like one of those like reassurance things. You know, uh, my favorite part about the R5 thing is that Favreau was like, you know, there's like a whole story about him like being tied to the rebellion and all this stuff. And Filoni was like, yeah that's stupid <laughs> i didn't say that but you know you, you got the feeling that he was like yeah i know they write that stuff but what's funny about that is that that was old legends canon 
and then from a certain point of view retold that story and made it canon so it is official and it's just funny because even someone who's very who's probably told more canon stories than anybody else um you know thinks it's kind of a I would story. love to have some <laughs> type of series or interviews where they interview like Filoni or I don't know Matt Martin or just people at Lucasfilm about what they don't like like what decisions they did not agree with yeah I find that super super interesting I actually asked that to um uh now I can't think of his name but the writer for uh Rise of Skywalker Christario. Christario, yeah I, I jokingly he was like man I would send stuff to the story group and they'd be like that is a boneheaded idea and i'd be like what was some of your boneheaded ideas and they're like we will tell those yeah. later <laughs> yeah i know i, I knew it, it was good but I, yeah um I, I find feloni throughout this whole eight episode thing i i've liked him a lot better uh than i used to i've been more endeared to him but i think it's because of his personality and i don't think he takes star wars as seriously as i thought he did and as um, everyone thinks he does right he it's very surfacey for him he gets it completely and he's a wonderful storyteller and he does it right like the whole sure. everyone's going to talk about that qui-gon explanation for the next 50 years but right. he gets what it is and he keeps going back to that thing that it's about it's for kids it's about family it's about finding your family and finding your place and, and coming of age and he gets all those simple beats and what the stories it's it's a fable it's a it's a morality tale and he completely gets that um so i i don't know i really i really like seeing him talk about it in that way because again that whole thing like he even mentions it like everyone wants to think that we need to reinvent star wars and stuff he's like you don't it's it's already there like right. we, we're just telling stories in that space you don't need to reinvent it and yeah, i like uh, that they keep again, saying it's reassuring. for kids yeah yeah that's like the big thing for me because i feel like um and i'm sure i'm guilty of this at times too is like you know it's meant so much to me throughout my life that i just kind of be like oh this is like my thing i really enjoy this but at the end of the day it's not about me it's not about what i want it's not about what any of us want it's a it's for the next generation of kids that are growing up that I was that generation a while ago. Like Bennett. Like Bennett. We got to get Bennett into <laughs> Mandalorian. So for, for those of you not watching on YouTube, James' son Bennett is joining us on the pod today. <laughs> um, James, if you had to guess, are you getting Bennett into Star Wars, by the way? Um, I, you know, we get asked that question a lot. Like, what was your first memory of Star Wars? And I'm like, I feel like the, the cheap answer to me I feel like I'm cheaping out on people when I answer, I don't really remember. I can give like some things, but I don't really know if that was like my mm -hmm. first memory right. um, because it always just kind of existed. And I was like, there's no way Bennett is going to have a first memory of star Wars because it's always going to be there. It's always going to be around. It might um, be you liking it. No, I, I understand. Like, I know inevitably there will be one thing that is like, I have this very specific memory of this, and that's probably the earliest one I have. But there is never going to be a moment where he's like, oh, you know, I've never seen Star Wars. I don't know anything about it. And then, like, boom, like all of a sudden he's introduced <laughs> right. to it. Um, and I see that a video a lot like, hey, my six year old's watching Star Wars for the first time. I'm a proud dad or whatever. But, like, um, 
that's just not going to happen. You know, even, even yesterday, uh, Bennett like walked up and he was like the, the bathroom door was closed and he wanted to like knock on the door to see if Darth Vader was in there. And I was like, <laughs> okay, let's knock. And he's like 10 times. We knocked 10 times. Then he opened up the door and sure enough, he had put like one of his action figures in the thing. And oh, I was really? like, Oh my gosh, Darth Vader is in there. Oh, that's cool. I don't know. Who would he who would he like from Mandalorian if you had to guess? Um he would probably like IG11 probably just because of the voice and the silliness I guess because, because he's a stoic I, assassin. Yeah, no, I, just probably that he, his lines are funny. Yeah. He's trying to move my camera right now. And they talk about that. They talk about um Taika delivering his lines and stuff and, and all that. And they, they really touch on a bunch of things here. But, I mean, I don't have a whole lot else other than, that. you know, in general, this episode really, like, made me smile and made me laugh and remembered why I love Star Wars. Like, because being a fan of Star Wars today is, like, controversial in some spaces. And it's just, like, exhausting and annoying. And a lot of it's social media-based. I get that. But even fans who aren't on social media are like, man, you know, Star Wars fans suck like star wars fans are the worst (laughs) like i don't i don't know anyone who could watch that episode and whether you love the mandalorian or like the mandalorian or whatever and not be like what the hell is wrong with me like why have i been why am i fighting about this stuff like this is this is what it's supposed to be you know i don't know i think ultimately the fighting boils down to people feeling taking things personally because it means so much to them i think that's ultimately what usually the fighting stems yeah yeah i agree i just hope that people can like to me this was like a palate cleanser type of thing like when you i get that and i understand why you guys say it's your favorite i don't know i still love the practical stuff but that's my own like yeah i i haven't even really said it like i think immediately like one of the reasons i thought this one was my favorite is because if, if you're listening to the podcast you know what i love about star wars i love the connectivity i love reading the comic and then being like oh it's the guy from the movie or vice yeah, versa yeah and as soon as you know it's funny throughout the history of this show we've always called it the easter eggs but when this episode came up and they're like the connections i was like oh that's that's probably even a better term because i don't think they're trying to hide ig11 you know right it's not an easter egg it's a connection and i'm like yeah that so um you know watching these guys want to build a show around the things that uh, to make sure that the stories all fit together and it's all part of the same world and the same feel and tone and all that stuff is like, yes, that's a, that's why I love this episode for sure. And real quick too, we haven't talked about the blurgs and the ice cream maker thing. I wanted to ask Lacey what she thought about John Favreau thinking the highlight of celebration is the running of the Will Hoods. It's the highlight. Everybody goes crazy. Did he say it's the highlight? He did. And my favorite part was Floney being like, no, no, it is not. Uh, I wouldn't say highlight. (laughs) I was just surprised Favreau knew about it. I'm sure Floney told him. I'm sure it wasn't something that like he knew from being at Celebration. I'm sure someone told him that that's what they do with it. Oh, I meant more of like the phenomenon of Will Rowe Hood and the ice cream maker. Because that's why he put it in the show. Because he thought it was like this cool thing. 
Yeah, I, I think he knows about that. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm saying specifically about celebration. I think someone yeah. told him. And that's another that. part that bummed me out. Like it made me realize we're not going to celebration. <laughs> favorite favorite. Episode I love that you're right like here. this is the best thing. <laughs> yeah. All these yeah. things are great, but that's another thing that bummed me out. No, but you know, like you can like something and be like, oh, but that makes me sad about this. And it made me realize we're not going yeah. to celebration. You know, we're not going to celebration for two years. Yeah. Woof. Yeah. Crazy. Absolutely it, crazy. It's devastating for me. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to bring up too is which this was interesting to me how they dialed back the special effects for like the quarren species because they didn't want it to be too good they david yeah. jones like pirates of the caribbean they're like yeah. no 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 don't do that <laughs> yeah he's yeah. like we got to make it look like the quarren from return of the jedi and right. and that sort of thing so that's a different kind of connectivity it's not an in canon connectivity it's a visual connectivity because this is only five years removed it would be weird if quarren looked that differently from what happened five years ago at Jabba's Palace. So um, Yeah, I liked a, how they kept dialing it back. They were like, oh no, that's too advanced. Let's bring it back. It's but, just like another speaks, awareness, which I really yeah. appreciate. And that speaks for the blurgs as well, because they were like, their stop motion, stop motion looks bad. Yeah. Goodness, Bennett. <laughs> stop motion looks bad. We could make it look better, but uh you know what I'm saying. But it doesn't feel right. It lost its lifeness. <laughs> I agree. It's because um, I remember when I first saw the blurgs running uh, over those gaps in the second episode. I was like, it looked that looked weird. A yeah, little, and that's yeah. why. Yeah, and that's why they did it on purpose. Like everything was for a reason. So, um, do you guys have any uh, final thoughts uh, on this episode? And then we'll do a, a, a final thoughts on this series as a whole. So, for this episode, any final thoughts? My final thoughts are: I hope. Favreau sticks around after the Mandalorian and I really hope he continues to develop more series even if he's not the director or writer mm -hmm. with Dave Filoni I think they're like if anything this series has convinced me they're like the dream team that we've been waiting for with Star Wars oh I completely agree yeah I, yeah. I feel like their relationship is tighter than what I thought it would be Right. We thought I it was thought kind it of would... at the beginning going to be maybe a little combative because like one has one view and one has the other view. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's not like that at all. And I don't mean combative, like obviously like fist fighting, but like maybe a little pushback being like, no, that's not what this is. And all I've learned through this series is that Floney's like, that wouldn't work, but here's a way that it could work. Like he doesn't, he's not very like guarded of canon where I feel like often fans are. Mm -hmm. Here's Dave Filoni being like, nah, we could do this. It doesn't matter. It's cool. Whatever. And how many times does Filoni say something like, I can't believe we were doing this. This is so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like him being in the X-Wing, being like, yeah. I don't want to be doing this. There's so many or, times in this documentary where he has said, like, are we seriously doing this? This is so stupid. <laughs> or or the Ugnot thing. We didn't talk about that. The fact that the, the initial thing was for um, the character to be subtitled and they were going to do the yeah. the pig voice Bro, oh the my time. god yeah yeah and they were like dude this is going to be awesome and then like with d bradley like, baker right he was going to do yeah yeah he yeah. was doing like the temp voice at least yeah but they had yeah. a guy in a pig mask and a guy in a regular mask and it was subtitles and they were like this is so stupid he's like there's no yeah. human element here whatsoever I, I thought it was great because even favreau is as great as we praise him and i mean he's an amazing director and producer he still was like 
I thought that was going to work. And Dave, you were unsure, but yeah. thank you for letting me find it on my own. <laughs> because <laughs> Dave's like, I don't know, I guess we could make this work. And and, um, <laughs> and Favreau just being like, it's not working. <laughs> like, yeah. I get it. Yeah. I see it. Yeah. Right. Um, no, yeah. So, I mean, that whole tandem of theirs, it, it was very cool knowing that uh, Filoni was such a resource for Favreau. And that also he... Um, he had more respect for him than I thought, I guess. They were more on an even uh, plane than I had anticipated. Right. Um, he really respects his knowledge and understanding of Star Wars and, and all that. Yeah. So, and I think like that's you said, Favreau. It's a, like it's a dream team. Him. Yeah. I agree. I agree. They're a dream team. I would, my final thought too, you know, and then James, give us yours. But I, my final thought is I, I hope that they could continue working on Star Wars together because it really could be something special. But, We'll see. We talk about this more on next week's podcast. But uh, James, any final thoughts uh, before we put a bow on the Mando fan show until this fall? You're muted. Anything? Yeah, I am. So was I unmuted? Okay. Uh, Welcome to quarantine. Why why was I muted? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Um, I am excited that uh, the show is is i'm not excited (laughs) sorry (laughs) that this show (laughs) is ending but i know that mando season two is right around the corner and that's really the crux of what we do yes i do see a kitty cat in the mirror it's you (laughs) bennett are those your final thoughts (gasps) yes (laughs) all right um james why don't we get all right so i'll just uh let james say what his social media handle is and then we could uh say goodbye to james James, where can people Twitter, find you? Twitter and Instagram <laughs> at Myra Trunks. All right. And apparently chasing a little kitty cat around because... Yes. All right. Hi, Bennett. <laughs> um, Lacey, where can people find you? People can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Lacey Gillerin. All right. And you guys can find me on Twitter at Johnny Hoey and at StarWarsNewsNet.com. If you want to check out my written review of uh, this episode, you can check it out over there. Um, and thanks to everyone who's watched this kind of pseudo run of the Mando fan show. We weren't going to bring it back. And then Lacey was like, oh, we should do it. And then we did. I so, like behind the scenes. Whoever yeah. said that online, take a drink right now. <laughs> <laughs> so we hope you guys enjoyed this. But remember this fall when Mando season two comes back, we're going to bring back the Mando fan show full bore. So that means the Pedro Pascal episode rating face scale. Uh, we're doing the Mando code. We're going to be doing another cool giveaway for you guys. We're going to give away something each episode. Uh, we're going to be doing the Mando uh, Fando tweets. We're going to get your tweets on the show. And, of course, some awesome guests. So uh, we can't wait to bring that back in October. And thank you to all of our patrons at patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. Every one of our resistance officers from tier one to tier five, you're the reason why this show exists and the full version as well. So we really appreciate all of your support. And to everyone out there listening and watching, um, because if you weren't listening or watching, what would be the point of doing this, right? (laughs) So we really appreciate everyone out there. And um, we'll see you guys on the Resistance broadcast on Monday morning with another episode. So uh, until then, we'll see you around, kids. (laughs) 